0: Follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. But thank God we can gather together among others of like precious faith and we can glean light from each other. Iron can sharpen iron. We sharpen the countenance of our friends. Amen. Amen. You know, last week we talked about the five different uh, perspectives when it comes to the communion, the Lord's table. How it's important to recognize all five of them so that we could reverently celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper. And first there's that upward look. He's the bread of life that came down from heaven. There's the backward look where he sacrificed his life and shed his blood and his broken body on Calvary's cross. There's the inward look, praise God, inward. Examine yourself to be certain that you're walking in fellowship with the Lord and so on. And it's a matter of life and death because he said, for this reason, many are weak, sick, and die prematurely because they don't examine themselves and look inwardly, uh, not deserting the Lord's body. And then there's the outward look. And that's what I wanted to get to. The outward look right here. The outward look. We need each other. We belong to the family of God. And we all need each other. And each one to take his or her place. Uh, Did anybody leave your ear home this morning? Did you bring your leg with you this morning? So we need one another. And then there's, of course, the forward look. We celebrate this until what? He comes. Until he comes. And so those are the five looks of it. And so it's important we recognize that so that we can honor Him and reverence Him, even with something such as the Lord's Supper, which is absolutely wonderful. Amen. Today we're going to look at uh, developing a strong spirit, but first let's pray. Have our children been dismissed? Are they gone? All right. Father, we thank You for this time together to study Your Word, and we do so in the precious name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit knowing that your word is not just intellectually learned or perceived, but is spiritually discerned. We ask that you change us by what we hear this morning from glory to glory, that we could conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended us. Give us hearts that are open to receive the instructional teaching of your word. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and causing my tongue to be as the pan of a ready writer, to proclaim truth with power and demonstration, to penetrate our souls and challenge each and every one of us to rise up to higher places in you. And for all this, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Well, before we look at our notes here for a moment, how many of you remember the story of Jonah and the city of Nineveh? Three of you remember that story. You really remember that story about Jonah and the city of Nineveh? Yeah. Well, in the book of Nahum, in chapter 3 and verse 1, we are told that the city of Nineveh is a bloody city. A bloody city. It's the city of the world. It's the city of the devil. And it was a bloody city. Of course, there's the city of God, too. And Jonah was supposed to be the one who represents the city of God. And he was told to go to them and explain to them that God was going to bring judgment upon them and show them mercy if they would just repent and get forgiveness, right? But how many of you know that there was something lacking in Jonah? He was a fishy guy. He always got himself into a well of a problem. Deep problem. Right? You know him, right? Yeah. And he ran from God. And even though he was a prophet of God, He really wasn't strong in spirit where he needed to be. You realize that? Because, you see, he looked at it from his own perspective, what he wanted, the city of self, not the city of God. This is what I would like to have happen. And what was the matter with him? Well, let me explain to you a little bit about the city of Nineveh. They were called a bloody city and a bloody people for a reason. Because when they captured, let's say, people in wartime, basically, they didn't even need to have war. They would go from city to city and just bring captives to their place. And what they would do was they would torture them even before they killed them. They would take boys and girls and just burn them alive. They would skin people alive. They would do things like amputate their arms, their legs, before they kill them. When I read this one thing, it just causes you to cringe. They would, um, the best way to say it is to impale them, almost like a skewer. Hard to even imagine just how evil these people were. And when I think about what's taking place right now in Israel with Hamas and Hezbollah, you think about these things, and you know we think it couldn't get any worse than, than it is today. But I go back and reflect upon what was taking place back then, and here's what you see. Here we have a group of people that hates the Jews. You talk about anti-Semitism. They hated the Jews so badly that even these people, supposedly the people,